Welcome to Remember When, a podcast for capturing the stories, insights, and lessons learned that will enable you to age forward with grace and ease. I'm your host, Kiki, and today's episode is sponsored by Elder Pride 2023. Now here's Reverend Jack Elliott, or as we like to call him, RJ. So RJ, tell us about cultivating authenticity. I'm excited because I want to talk about the person who taught me about cultivating their authenticity. And today is, this episode is dropping on December 24th. It's dropping on Christmas Eve. And my stepfather was born on December 6, 1906 on Christmas Eve. And his mother had always taught him that he was the gift that that family received on Christmas Eve. And that kind of connected him to their interpretation of what spirituality is, what religion is, and what that could look like. And his father was a well-known minister that traveled across Indiana, Illinois, and Ohio doing what at the time was called revival camp meetings. Well, if you can imagine, that was always a situation where dad was on the road a lot. So my stepfather Everett was raised by his mother, but always, you know, dad was a hero. He was out saving the world. He was out doing great things. And so in a few years, when Everett was old enough to be in elementary school, but old enough to have errands and uh, chores to do once he got home from school, had the occasion where his father was finally going to be holding a camp meeting in the town that he was born in. So this was the first time he was ever going to get to hear his father speak. So he was excited about it. He rushed home from school, quickly tore about getting all of his errands and tasks done around the farm. You know, he, you know, was telling me that he went in to feed the chickens. And as he was in there feeding the chickens, he was quickly trying to do things and rush around. And of course, he slipped in the hay and got dusty and dirty from being in the hay in the chicken house. And you know, but he rushed out and, you know, he, he didn't want to go in and change. So he went over to the pump and pumped some water to wash his hands and throw some water on his face. And what this young little kid of eight or nine years of age didn't realize that when you throw water on dust, you just get mud. And so his face had smudges on it. His bib overhauls had smudges on it but nothing was gonna stop him from getting down the road to the tent that had been set up where his father was preaching. So he runs down the road, he sees the revival tent and he hears the music playing and the folks singing and he sneaks around the side of the tent and peeks in, sees his dad up on the stage and he sees that right in the front row is a place with an empty seat. So. He's a clever kid. He slips right in there and saddles up next to a lady and gets in the chair. 
and is so excited to hear his father speak. Well, his father sees him from the stage, and when the song is over, gets up from the podium and points at Everett and says, how dare you come in to the house of the Lord as filthy as you are? Get out of here and go make yourself presentable to show up in the house of the Lord. Well, you can imagine the devastation. So he slinks out through the side opening of the tent that he came in and starts to walk home. And as he makes his way around the corner of the tent, the hymn that they are singing is just as I am. Just as I am, Lord. And he realizes what hypocrisy. Now he didn't have the word hypocrisy in his vocabulary. But he made a decision walking home. If I'm not good enough, just as I am, as the song sings, I'm never going back to a church again in my life. So he makes this decision. I don't want to say that he chose to be atheist, but he knew that what he was experiencing from his father and in that kind of fundamentalist upbringing was not his authentic truth. So he went about his life cultivating his own authenticity of how to show up in the world. He knew right from wrong. He saw the world in a black and white way of being. And if you can imagine the Walter Matthau character from Grumpy Old Men, that's the old guy that he grew up to be. You know, everybody kind of perceived him at first glance to be a grumpy old man. But once they got to meet him, once they got to engage him in conversation, then they realized that he had the most wonderful heart in the world and that he had the most compassionate way of being and would do anything for anybody that was marginalized. When I was five years old, he met my mother and they married and she was active and engaged in her church. And so she never pressured him to go to church. She always was respectful for the trauma and the story that he had told and knew in her heart that he was a good man. So he would drive us to church. We'd go in and go to church. He'd be there to pick us up when we came out of church and you know, we'd go off to dine out or do some activity on a Sunday afternoon after church, but he just didn't want to go. Well, one of the things that the minister of our church and my mom would do is like, how are we going to get Everett back to church? How are we going to get him to see that what he thought was, wasn't really the authentic truth? Well, he was a master carpenter. He had people waiting three years, four years to restore an antique piece of furniture or to do some wonderful wood trim in their home or to really 
show his skills as a talented craftsman. And as they were walking out of the church one day, my mom saw all the beautiful mahogany wood that was in the church and seen, had noticed that over the years that it's gotten a little darker to where you really couldn't see the beauty of the wood anymore. And so she came home and she mentioned that to Everett and said, you know, I need you to come take a look at this wood. Something does just need to be cleaned. What's going on with it? Well, since it was a Monday activity and there's no preaching going on, he felt comfortable coming into the building. And being the guy that he was, he walked in, he looked at the beautiful banisters that went up the grand staircase on both sides and saw, well, this just needs to be refinished. There's just, you know, a little sanding here, a little whatever there. And the next thing that happens, he goes out to his car and brings his tools in and starts to work on the stairway to the sanctuary. He reglues banisters that had come loose. He refinishes all of the mahogany. Soon, he moves into the sanctuary itself. And there was one of those huge, beautiful screens that covered the pipe organs of this church that was made out of the same mahogany that was in the stairway. He was refinishing that. And so what would happen is the minister would come through and the minister always met him where he was. The minister was Reverend Merriman. And they kind of created this friendship over Everett teaching Reverend Merriman about wood and upkeep and what it would take to make it more beautiful and how it should be taken care of. And soon they were, you know, they were having their little chit chats whenever it would be there doing the work. And then they would go to coffee and spend some more time. And one day Reverend Merriman said, you know, you should really come some Sunday morning so that we can appropriately thank you for the work that you're doing. So he kind of thought about it and he came home and, you know, told my mom about it. And, and she said, well, I think it'll be all right. And, you know, it's not no commitment. And so he went to church and everybody praised him for the beautiful sanctuary that he had been a part of creating. Well, that gave him a different experience of showing up. And he really got to see that he was welcomed. People saw him for who he was. And then it was an inviting and engaging community. Now, what was the faith tradition in that denomination and that group is everybody needs to be working their get into heaven plan. And one of the things that is required for your get into heaven plan and leading, you know, you can lead a good life. But if you weren't baptized, uh, that was going to be an obstacle. So there was this gentle conversation around Everett making the decision to be baptized and Reverend Merriman inviting him to make that choice. You know, just to work that get into heaven plan, you know, just to put it all together as it should be. And Everett thought about it and he pondered it. And he came back and said, all right, I'll do this on one condition. That as I'm being baptized, the song, Just As I Am, is playing 
and I can wear my work clothes. So on the day that he was baptized, the organist was playing just as I am. He was wearing his overhauls covered with sawdust and grime and paint thinner and all of that. And the minister met him where he was and he was baptized. And after that point, he attended church with my mom on an ongoing basis. So my story is not necessarily about Everett accepting Jesus as the, was the tradition in that denomination. It's more about the principle of him being his authentic self and saying, I will do this if I can show up as I authentically am, just as I am. And that was such a great teaching for me. And it was a great teaching for understanding authenticity. We are all called to be our authentic selves. And here's the thing that happens in life. As we age, what is true for us can shift. What is important in our 20s and our 30s could be very different in our 60s and our 70s. But our call to cultivate our authenticity is exactly the same. We must do the due diligence. We must be willing to go in and go, what's my truth right here, right now? What's true for me? I often will give the metaphor of putting one's face mask on first. Well, this is such a situation, even in our lives as elders, we must go, what is my true understanding of the situation that I'm in? What is my authentic way of wanting to show up even now? And to cultivate that idea. I want you to think about cultivation, not unlike how a farmer thinks about cultivation. The farmer goes to the feed store, buys a package of seeds that has a beautiful picture on the front of the cover of the seed packet of what is going to be the harvest in his garden down the road. Well, he may cultivate the ground, get the little tunnels ready to receive the seed, and water it and plant the seed. But the cultivation of the life that he envisioned, the cultivation of the harvest that's down the road, doesn't stop with planting the seed. For the entire incubation process, for that entire process, the farmer or the gardener is cultivating that garden to make sure the weeds are pulled, to make sure that fertilizer is added if needed, that water is given as it should be given. The act of cultivation continues and evolves and goes on. And then, and only then, will the harvest manifest that somewhat mirrors the picture that was on the seeds in the beginning. So our life is the same way. We've got to cultivate our authenticity. We have to consistently be looking at what is true for me now. Sometimes that may look like, what does my home look like? Our home is our safe sanctuary. Our home is where we go to cocoon and to prepare ourselves. 
what we want today may be very different than the home that we envisioned 20 years ago. And many of us are hanging on to that home we created 20 years ago. And now it's almost like a arbitross around our neck. So maybe there's an opportunity to re-envision, re-imagine what home looks, for, looks like for us now. We may be re-imagining and re-envisioning at this time in our life, who's in our life? You know, who is in that inner circle that we spoke about in our first episode about who belongs where they belong? We also will cultivate and reimagine what it is that we are grateful for. Being in gratitude for each new day takes on a new relevance as we age and mature. But most of all, the greatest gift of cultivating one's authenticity is to be willing to cultivate a new idea, cultivate a new way of seeing something that we may have looked at many ways before, to cultivate a new idea, to cultivate a new vision, to cultivate a new way of showing up in life is the way that we cultivate our authenticity. So what say you, Kiki? I, I, I say a lot. Thank you. As usual, note-picking good. Um, first of all, great, great story. Um, and as you were telling the story, I was also, I also began to think about cultivating my authenticity um, as well. And, you know, also the things that you talked about at the end, um, what's true for me now in terms of, of how I want my life to look, my home to look, the people I surround myself, and how that changed uh, from when I was in my 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and that it also might change when I'm in my 70s, uh, being in my, in my 60s now. But what I really liked about the story is, uh, you know, that, that, that Everett got that, you know, from the playing of the song, the irony in that he should be accepted just as he was, just as I am. And I'm, I really embrace that as you were telling, telling the story. And then that may mean that certain people aren't in my life um, because they cannot accept the authentic me. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I have to put my, I have to put my face mask on first uh, and, 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 and that's really important in the, the shifting. And I love the, the cultivation as you were, um, talking about cultivating the authentic self, even before you, um, you know, made the, 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 the growing analogy that was, that was in my head. Um, and then I was also thinking about the fact that I, uh, literally just bought some seeds to cultivate in my garden. Um, and I had to make sure I didn't know whether I knew, I knew that there were certain things that you could grow only at certain times of a year, but I didn't know until I researched it 
that certain things are hardier and could withstand frost if there were to be a frost. Um, and I and I, I liken that to cultivating my authentic self that I that I have to continue to 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 do that under different circumstances and the way that I cultivate my authentic self today may be different than the way that I cultivate my authentic self tomorrow or in the spring. Um, you know, seasonally, there may be different effects as I, as I change. So thank you. That was a, that was a- I loved your story about the seeds that you purchased and wanted to plant because I had an experience that I think is also a metaphor for something that we can learn and understand. I decided last spring that instead of buying a pot, you know, the five inch pot or whatever, that I wanted to work with some seeds, you know, just for the experience of it. And I particularly wanted a plant that would grow up the fence and cover the fence. So I planted the seeds and I watered them. I cultivated, I tended to my garden and I noticed, you know, that little sprout came up and it was there and I was so excited. And so I watered it a little bit more and I tended to it a little bit more and then it grew, but it only grew to be about 18 inches high. And I was so frustrated because the picture on the package of seeds had this bush just flourishing and covering the fence. And I thought, okay, I'm going, maybe it's a situation where the first year it really works on developing the roots. And next year, I'll really have a plentiful picture of what it is that I want. So I didn't think too much about it. And I thought, okay, I'm still going to be attentive and I'm going to care for this little plant that's, that's growing. So it can really be here ready to go next year when it goes. Well, I happen to live adjacent to a parking lot. And the reason why I have that fence is to separate my home from that parking lot. And I have no occasion all that much to ever go into that parking lot. So one day I happened to walk around that side of the house for some other reason. And I saw that on the outside of the fence, that plant had grown and covered the entire side of the fence, just like the picture on the seeds. I had been merely looking at the wrong side of the fence. And so that reminded me of the story that we told today. Sometimes our harvest is there. It just doesn't look like what we thought it did. So therefore we discounted. But if I really thought about it, what is for the highest and best and for the greater good in one sense is making my fence more attractive to the people coming and going from that parking lot to look over and see the beauty of the plant. And it makes my home look more lovely, if you will, because they're on the outside looking into it. And so it's that opportunity to be willing to look at things a different way, to understand how they got to be the way they are and to make a different decision from it. And having seen it, uh, I, I did notice that it was, 
it was beautiful, um, you know, from the from the parking lot side. And um, yeah, I mean, that that also, you know, uh, makes me think we we do need to expand the way that we look at things and and not do it narrowly um, and accept the blessings for what we get, uh, even if it's not exactly what we expected. Uh, you expected the growth to be on your side of the fence. Uh, it was limited on your side of the fence, but it was expansive on the other side of the fence, making it extremely beautiful, <laughs> you know, in, in that way. So, so yeah. oftentimes when people come to me to talk about, you know, we're in our community, we are great students of having a vision and writing down exactly how it would look as if it were already there. So that is a part of the positive affirmations that we teach. That is a part of, you know, really seeing the vision completely done. When we are seeking someone to be in relationship with, I often have to work with a client to say, don't tell me how it looks. Tell me how it feels. And their criteria for what they want to experience in a relationship often is very different than how they envisioned how that relationship might look. And I think that that keys into what we've been talking about today because the authenticity comes from the feeling. The authenticity comes from the energetic of how you show up in the world. It People see us, hear us, welcome us, not by how we look, but how we show up, how the energy shifts around us when we are in that circle or in that community. We've all gone to a party or a gathering for whatever reason, we're just magnetically drawn over to be with someone who really is authentic and how they're showing up at that event. It's infectious. We want to, we want to be in that circle. So if that's the truth about them, that's the truth about us. And if we show up in our authenticity, we will draw to us those like-minded people. We will draw to us who it is that we are going to have in our life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Other thoughts, Kiki? Anything that comes to mind or a question as we get ready to take it well, home? Well, my question is, when did you discover this? I mean, you told the story, but when did you discover this for yourself that you needed to be your authentic self? <laughs> Thank you for asking that because it has everything to do with my sexuality. You know, I grew up in a denomination, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, that at that time was a very progressive and open and affirming community. And they made the decision at the national level 
in the late 70s to be open and affirming and inclusive of folks in the LGBTQ plus community. They were a, com a community that were the first to invite women into the pulpit to ordain women as ministers. And as we talked earlier on in another episode, they were the denomination that married the loves. So they were the first Christian denomination to do interracial marriage in the United States. So I had this, this pride, this false sense of being in a very liberal and inclusive community. But when I went away to college, I found that some of the smaller, more rural churches and uh, other communities didn't quite feel the same way. And the minister that happened to be over our campus ministry certainly was not of that ilk, but I didn't know it at that time. So my circle of friends, we were all part of the choir because, you know, we would put on a show and we would travel around the state of Illinois and Indiana as a recruitment for our campus ministry at Indiana State University. And if you can imagine, this is right at the time of Anita Bryant. She was coming into her fame. And one night after we sang, we were all on the stage, the minister gets up and speaks and I hear him say, there will never be a homosexual at our choir. And I thought, what? And I turned and I did a quick glance of the choir. And I knew that there were five people in the choir that I knew to be a part of the LGBTQ plus community. And I thought, oh no, if that's, if that's what he's preaching, I can't be here. I can't do this. I, you know, I will just as Everett did not accept the hypocrisy of showing up just as I am. I wasn't willing to show up in that space just as I am because I knew that not to be the truth of what I believed spiritually or what I had been taught to that day. So that was my last concert, if you will, with that particular youth ministry. And it really was my emancipation of stepping into my authenticity of who I am unapologetically. So that would be my answer to that question. Wow. And and do you do you feel that it that it is still shifting and it's still evolving, like you like you said, as you get as you get older, as you're in your you know, it is. And I think that throughout our life, we are frequently tested is not the right word, but it gives a kind of a good example. It's like, I know that even in my secular life, you know, for nearly 30 years, I worked as a C-suite executive as the VP of human resources or the director of human resources. And so I played the home office corporate game out in the world. And one of the things that I would notice, and I'm sure so many men experience this in, in the locker room, as long as I was one-on-one -on -one with another cis male, mm -hmm. they were fine with my sexuality. But let the second cis male walk into the room, 
then suddenly they were distant and estranged and the conversation shifted. And because I have always lived by those principles, I'm not taking that personally, that's on them. Again, I got to re-choose to stand in my authenticity and kind of go as the folks, our beloved folks in the South would say, bless their heart. You know, they're the ones that felt insecure about themselves when somebody else saw them in my presence. And so I thought, I'm not changing. That's all on them. You know, because if it was just one-to-one, they're right there with me. And, you know, that happened frequently throughout my professional career. And it also showed up, you know, in negotiations and, you know, I have, I have met realtors when I've been looking to buy a home that would be like, oh, no. And suddenly a term that we acknowledge and recognize today as ghosting, they would just kind of like disappear and not do the return phone calls. And so while I was never bullied in my life, uh, I know what it was meant to be discounted. But I always accepted that of, from a place of gratitude to say, thank you, God, for showing me who they are. Because that is not someone I want in my inner circle. And there's no shortage of folks in the world. It just got me closer and more uh, opportunity to be in contact with who I needed to be in contact with. Great lessons. Thank you. Great lessons. Yes, great lessons, plural. Thank you. All right. So the homework for today is what does it take? It's completing a sentence stem, which what we'd love to do. What would it take for me to cultivate my authentic self? What would it take for me to cultivate my authentic self. And just be with that, just ponder that, just think about that, just understand what that is and see how it resonates with you in your life today. You've been listening to Remember When, a podcast presented by Elder Pride 2023. This podcast has been produced and edited by Reverend Jack Elliott and Kiki. Find the Remember When podcast wherever you get your podcast. Copyright 2022, Elder Pride Incorporated and Reverend Jack Elliott. For more information, visit elderprideforme.org or write us at elderprideinfo at gmail.com.